You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Christopher Sally of New Life Christian Fellowship Church. We've been we we've been talking about this. I think this might be this might be part five of of just breaking down, if you will, this Psalms twenty three, and it's my desire to have us really just deal with with verse verse five today, and. Uh, I tell you, I am, as I studied, particularly yesterday, I started to be overwhelmed at what it really means to say the Lord is my shepherd. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I can translate or transmit to you all of that emotion I believe that's the work of the Holy Spirit that will work in your life, not necessarily just during this time that we explore this in this pulpit. But as you meditate on the word of God and you meditate on your relationship with God, as you appreciate what God has done for you, you allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you as you spend time with your shepherd. I believe you too will be overcome when you realize what these words are saying. And, and, and as we kind of go back a little bit and for David to say, I, I, I shall not want I just I won't be in want. It's not that I won't have trouble. It's not that my life will be set up so that I'll always be prosperous. But I won't want because I have the shepherd. And if you have the shepherd, you have everything. That's why my heart is. Okay, I guess I'm doing it now. That's why my heart is heavy. Because more than whether there is Roe v. Wade or not Roe v. Wade, I'm not celebrating, didn't celebrate it passing, and I'm not celebrating it being repealed. I'm saying it matters, but what matters more is we have to get to a place where we can convince those that are not in the sheepfold of God that they need a shepherd. It doesn't it doesn't matter what side if you're aggressive or conservative or, or if or if you happen to land on something that lines up with the Bible in your personal belief system. That's that's like that falls in the category for me of interesting but irrelevant. If it doesn't flow 
from a relationship with the creator and sustainer of all life who has said he wants to enter into an eternal love relationship no matter what you think, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter your personal moral uh, code, if it doesn't flow from a relationship with the king and it's not based upon saying and preaching to others that thy kingdom come, thy will be done, if it's not going to be because you're a kingdom person, it's very sad to me that you could be right or wrong about an issue but it doesn't flow from the fact that you don't have a relationship with the king that's all that matters that's what matters in time that's definitely what matters in eternity Jesus said I came that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly it's not about a progressive agenda or it's about biblical truth and biblical values and they don't change. I am interested more than anything else of celebrating, adding to the number, those people that will simply say this, the savior of my life is the son of God. The guiding authority in my life is the word of God. And the citizenship that I keep in view is in the kingdom of God. That's how we make real and lasting change. If we can add to those that will say that, everything else will take care of itself. You have to at least start there. And then we've got to get in. The, once you get in the game, then you got to struggle by actually following the shepherd, doing what the shepherd says, allowing him to lead you beside the still waters, allowing him to restore your soul, allowing him to, to say, for you to say, my, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. But again, it, it doesn't matter if it comes, if it doesn't flow from a place where you have a relationship with the shepherd it is all for naught you can make better citizens that way sure but I'm not talking about the citizenship here because the citizenship I have in view is in heaven that's the one that matters there was many of y'all may remember this this movie, Pretty Woman. And there was a relationship that she had with, Julia Roberts had with Richard Gere. At the end of there, maybe it was two weeks together, he had made some arrangements for her to have an apartment and a, you know, some money or something like that. And, and she's like, that's not enough. She's like, well, what are you talking about? I mean, is there, that'll take you off the streets. That'll get you a new, if you know the movie. She said, yeah, that's just a change in geography. She says, I, I, I want the fairy tale. I want the whole thing. I'm not going to settle for anything less. That's how I feel. I don't want a change in geography. I don't want a change in law. I want the whole thing. I want it to flow from a relationship with the king. That I, and I want it to be based on kingdom values that are lived out. And I want us to follow Christ like we're supposed to follow him. That's what I want. I don't want to settle for anything else. So excuse me if I'm not excited about one thing versus the other. I just, I want the whole thing. I want the, I want what God wants. I want the whole enchilada. I want the whole burrito. I want the whole thing. And settling for anything less than that, I'm not going to be happy.
He said, but you should be. No, I can't be. Because what he wants is what I want. And the last thing I'll say again is still in the context of this shepherding. It definitely is in the context of shepherding is to know this. Hmm. I'll read it in the in the NIV because it's just a little easier to. And again, I just want us to be very careful about what we say, what we do. People are looking at us. They, they want to know what we think about the times. And First Chronicles talks about the men of Issachar. That the men of Issachar were men that knew the times. They knew what they, knew what they should do. We have to be like that. If we're going to save America... If America is going to be saved, it's not going to be by overturning this law or that law without turning hearts and minds. It's not. It will make a difference in, in, in the numbers. And if you thought God was just interested in reducing that number of abortions, if that's all he was interested in, this will help. That's not what he's interested in, ultimately. It's a little bit more than that. It's what Daniel had to tell Nebuchadnezzar when Nebuchadnezzar had that dream in Daniel chapter 4. He's like, what should I do? This is what Daniel told him. He says, listen, you're going to be uprooted and things are going to happen to your kingdom until you understand that heaven rules, until you acknowledge that heaven rules. And then in Daniel 4 and 27, Daniel said, therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. Here's my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be then that your prosperity will continue. This is one thing on the list of about 450,000 things that we need to get right. Daniel said, you, the whole enchilada is what's gonna save you. Not you just doing one thing and doing one thing Listen, and doing one thing for a lot of people for the wrong reason. Doing one thing that, that as it turns out, we know what happens when things change. You know who always ends up getting the short end of the stick when everything turns around. So excuse me if I don't celebrate like that because I know who's going to get the short end of this stick. History tells me who gets the short end of this stick. But what, who won't get the short end of the stick is, is us if, if we can actually renounce our sins, if we can actually do right, if we can actually have a wholesale change. And the only way you renounce sin is by accepting a new shepherd. You're saying, I'm tired of being emaciated. I'm tired of not being cared for. I'm tired of being, I'm tired of being taken care of by a hireling. I want a good shepherd. I want a great shepherd. I want a chief shepherd. And I got to switch sheepfolds. And once I switch into that sheepfold, I need to follow that shepherd as closely as I can, not just for now, but for eternity. And if I do that, then I've renounced. If I've done that, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. If I do that, we'll see real change. That's what I want. I want the whole enchilada. And I don't want you to settle for anything else. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He 
He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We talked about the rod being the word of God. We talked about the last time. One of the things that the rod does, and it's so important, is detection. When things appear to be good, if you pass under the rod, it can look under that fluffy coat and see what's happening below the surface. Amen? That rod of God is what we need so importantly in this time that we're living in. Because everything that looks good ain't good. And everybody that looks healthy ain't healthy. I know that's not good English, but that's good preaching. Everybody that look good ain't good. But what will happen is if you put it by the standard, the only standard that we have that, that is worth detecting, which is the rod of God. Why? Because the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide asunder soul from spirit, joint from marrow, and is what? A discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. There are too many people that land on the right place for the wrong reason. But the rod of God... The word of God can detect if you're doing the right thing for the right reason and if it's flowing out of the right relationship. And we want it to be right, right, right. Right thing for the right reason based upon what? The right relationship. We want it all because that's what God wants. And the rod of God helps those that are in the body of Christ to be able to detect what the motives are and what we're, why we're doing things, if we are healthy and all of that. So, again, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That's kind of where we ended up the last time. And it, it, is, it is a beautiful thing to understand the power of the word of God. That's why I said the Savior of our lives is the Son of God. The uh, guiding authority in our lives is the word of God and the citizenship that we must keep in view is in the kingdom of God. That never changes. Anybody that claims the name of Christ has to say at least those three things. Now, we can argue about how the rod and what the rod is detecting. And, 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 and there are some discussions you can have about uh, rightly dividing the word of truth and, and what it means. But we can't have a conversation if it's not framed in that way. Amen. That's what we want. We want people that are struggling in this life and how we deal with culture and how we deal with government and democracy versus the theocracy that we so desperately need have only seen once. And when and it was rejected by the children of Israel, they decided we want to be like everybody else. So we haven't seen how God does it. Trust me, what what is in a theocracy versus what's in a democracy? There's a whole lot of stuff that's not going to be here when God comes back. Amen. This seems like a pretty good, yeah, it, it seemed like a pretty good idea that you all came up with. But when he comes back, trust me, this is not going to be a feature. There's a lot of stuff that won't be a feature of his kingdom. And that's what we want. We want to feature what's in his kingdom. That's why we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then you get to verse 5. And he says, Thou preparest the table for me in the presence of mine enemies. 
So, in a lot of interpretations of, of, of Psalms 23, there you may see if you do your own study, and it's nothing necessarily wrong with it, but they, they, there's a, there's a, uh, a image switch, if you will. It goes from shepherding to kind of thinking about a banquet hall. You know, that, that someone is, you know, setting a table for you, thinking about a, about a meal. But you can, consistent with everything else about shepherding, um, be in a place where you continue with the shepherding imagery without sh- shifting to a imagery about a banquet hall. So when you talk about preparing a table for me, a table is another word for table is the Mexican word mesa. The Spanish word mesa, you know what a mesa is. The mesa is that high, come on somebody, that high flat grant, uh, land that is like, it's almost like a tabletop. That's what it means. You have these very high mesas. You see them, they're, they're in African uh, shepherding and particularly in uh, Western United States, uh, in, in mountain regions, they have these these mesas and, and, the, and they're in the summer range. So again, we're in the summer. And, and so again, to be able to say that thou preparest a table for me is talking about and is consistent with the higher ground of summer range. Trust me, I'm going somewhere with this. And, and, when, and when I get there, y'all, y'all better be shouting. Okay? Let me, let me just warn you. If, if, if you don't, if if you don't want to shout, get out now, because otherwise you, you might get excited about the preparation of your shepherd slash savior of your life. Thou preparest a table for me, a mesa for me, that, that, that sum up, you preparest a table for me, and you do it, beloved, in the presence of mine enemies. The enemy is everywhere. In the, in the home range, in the winter part, in the summer part, the spring, wherever you go, he's there. In the valley, he's there. When you get to the higher ground, the enemy's still there. Always watching, always waiting, always looking for an opportunity, always hoping that you're dumb enough to move away from the shepherd so he can steal, kill, and destroy But Jesus said, I didn't come to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and they have it more abundantly. You better know who's taking care of you. You better know what kind of shepherd that that, that you have and what kind of shepherd that you need. But this shepherd goes ahead of the sheep to prepare the land. That means that the shepherd, his work is characterized by two things, sacrifice and hard work. Amen. Picking up, picking poisonous plants like camas out of the ground. You know, this this book I've been reading by Philip Keller and his experience as a shepherd talks about he with his children, I believe, sons and daughters, spending time before they got to the, the table, the mesa on their hands and knees, picking out, picking up weeds, weeds that are noxious, weeds that, as again, sheep, just being sheep, they're concerned with the five inches in front of their face, 
and they'll just eat and they'll eat. It's like, yeah, but I, but I know that's no good for you. So I'm going to prepare, I'm going to prepare a table. I'm going to prepare the table. So that means I got to remove some things out of your way. I'm, I'm going to do some things. I got to strategically place salt and minerals throughout the range. Uh, and so I, I got to decide where we're going to set up camp and I got to, I got to clear out the water holes and, and, and I've got to trim back the overbrush and I've got to repair dams and uh, there's so much that has to be done so that by the time come on somebody you get to where God has you it's already prepared when you get to where God has something prepared for you you want to know that you, you understand that that sacrifice and hard work has already been done by the shepherd that you might enjoy higher ground amen he, he's not preparing a table for you in the valley. He's because the valley is what you go through to get to higher ground. He's not preparing it. He's preparing it. So I'm going to move you from where you are and I'm going to take you to where you need to be. But what you need to know is when you get there, it'll already be prepared. Because he's our intercessor and he's our high priest. Romans 8 and 34 says, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Hebrews 4 says, seeing that we have such a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our profession. For we don't have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He's already preparing because he knows what you're going to go through. What did he tell Peter? Peter. He says in Luke chapter, I think it was Luke chapter 22, he said, Peter, Peter, Simon, Simon. And you know, it's, it's a very rare thing when God calls your name twice. You always got to look, wait, wait a minute, what did he say? Abraham, Abraham, Jacob, Jacob, Samuel, Samuel, Moses, Moses, Simon, Simon, Saul, Saul, Martha, Martha. It's like Seven people, and then one city, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. So when he calls your name twice, you, you, you know it's a special thing. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan desirous to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. Listen, he said, I, 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 prayed, I prayed for you. And, and that's, yeah, that is, that's Luke, that's Luke 22. He says, Simon, Simon, he, 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 Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. He says, this is, this is, this is the passage where Jesus knows that Simon is getting ready to, Simon Peter is getting ready to deny him three times. That's not the sifting. So, so again, what he said is, but I've prayed for you. But again, you, you may or may not appreciate that the you in there is not singular, it's plural. Simon, Simon, Satan is asked to sift all of you like wheat. 
But I know you're going to be a leader. You're going to be the first among equal. You're going to be one of the apostles that leads. And he says that to him, even though moments later he acknowledges, you're going to deny me three times. I'm praying for you that you don't lose your faith. Even though you may temporarily lose your courage, you're not going to lose your faith. And when you have turned back and when you have repented and when it's on, I need you to strengthen your brothers. I'm telling you right now, I know what I prepared for you. I know what you're going to go through and know that I've already interceded for you because Satan wants to sift not just you he wants to sift all of you like wheat but I'm prepared because that's what I do I'm a shepherd and I prepared the way that's why you can get to John chapter 14 Woo! look at it in a new light look at it in a new light when he says, do not let your hearts be troubled, trust in God, trust also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. And if I were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you as my, unto myself where, that, where I am in that place ye may be also. The preparation doesn't stop. He says, I'm preparing a place for you, so I have to go. But this is when he says, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. I will come back to you, and it's going to be a better deal than you could ever have because I will not just be with you. I'll be in you as God the Spirit. I'll be able to facilitate that relationship like never before. Amen? And so I'm going to be in you. So I'm preparing, I prepared you for that. I continue to intercede for you. And I am preparing a place for you in heaven that you that says, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered in the heart of man what God has prepared for them that love him. This, this, is, the, this is the shouting. This is the shouting part. Not that he just, it's not just that the preparation happened so that he's, he says that, that I prayed for you. I'm going to intercede for you. I'm literally preparing a place for you. Can't stop. Won't stop. Because I'm the shepherd. And that's what the shepherd does. I prepare a place. And the best place that he prepared and the hard work and sacrifice is demonstrated most keenly at the cross of Calvary. He says you have a righteousness deficit and righteousness is the only currency of the kingdom. Therefore, before time even began, God says, I have to plan to redeem sinful man unto myself. I'm going to prepare to allow him to be in relationship with me and because God prepared so in eternity past and Jesus executed it at the cross of Calvary he says they don't have righteousness and I know they need righteousness I know you won't accept anybody's righteousness but my own so I will sacrifice myself I will humble myself and become obedient unto death even the death on the cross that's what he did he says that he I knew that uh, equality with God was not something to be grasped because I already already had it but I laid aside my glory and I came to earth so that I might redeem sinful man unto 
to myself so that they might actually be in relationship with me, not just occasionally do what I want done, not just occasionally like a broken clock is right two times a day, just come up on something. No, I want it to flow from the relationship because I prepared it and I prepared it before time began that it might be through my son, Jesus Christ, that they would have a relationship of love, not just for now, but for eternity. I want to be their shepherd. And when they fall short of that, my heart is broken. And if they happen to get it right or wrong based upon their personal desire to either accept or reject my truth, it breaks my heart. Because every truth that I reveal, you, we, I want you to simply receive. I don't want you to reject it and then rethink it and then replace it. When you rethink it, it becomes philosophy. When you replace it, it becomes religion. I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in your thoughts. I'm not interested in your dreams and your desires. I'm not interested in you telling me, nah, I'm good. Because as we'll see next week, when we talk about surely goodness and mercy will follow me, you're not even in a position to discuss what good is. You couldn't find good with two hands and a good flashlight. He's the only one that can discuss good, decide good, and do good. And when we get in with his flow, then he tells us that we also need to good, do good, but it's based upon understanding and knowing him, amen, that he's the one, as Jeremiah 9 says, that executed justice, righteousness, and something. I always forget that third thing on the earth, just <laughs> Jeremiah 9 and 24, and these things do, do I delight saith the Lord. Amen. And and so here here, here we are where we understand that the ultimate sacrifice was at Calvary and understand that he prepared that ground. And where is that ground? It is higher ground. God is not looking for you to be living low. He prepared a place for you even though you have to understand enemies are still there, even though you have to understand you still, that there's danger and you have to stay close to the shepherd. He has to be able to route you around that higher ground so that you'll be able to, to be fully nourished. He knows where the salt is. He knows where he's got the fresh water. He knows you don't. So you have to do the one thing that you have a problem doing, following. You know why you have a problem following? Because following has everything to do with submitting, and submitting has everything to do with giving up control, and you do not want to give up control of your life. Because fundamentally, you and I believe we know better than God how to handle this thing. We're not going to say it out loud to him. We just suggest different courses of actions other than what he's revealed. But what we're really saying is, you don't know what you're doing. Doing, You need to let me, at least for this portion. I'll hand it back over to you once I handle these few of five or six items that you seem to not be able to do. Once I handle that, boom, I'll give it back to you. Because then I'll be, no, no. He says, no, I need you to follow me. 
but he and he's prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You have to understand that preparation was an eternal preparation that's based upon relationship and it's at higher ground. He is not looking for you to do anything but follow him in higher ground placed upon what he's prepared. And here is the kicker. God always will prepare you for what he has prepared for you. So he's not even leaving you hanging there. He knows what he's prepared for you. And now he's got to prepare you so that he can give you what he has prepared for you. That's the that's the process, beloved, of sanctification. But but, uh, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into that same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. That's what Second Corinthians three and 18 says. That is that progressive sanctification. He says, I need to turn you into what you need to be so that you can even receive from me what I have for you. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. He says, I need to get you ready for what I've prepared for you, not just in this life, but as John 14 says, in the next life. Because he said, I left to go prepare an even better place that would blow your mind. I can't even... I can't even tell you what's going on up there. But I know that I've left you the Holy Spirit so that he might prepare you for what I've got prepared for you. <laughs> Let me just say this then. Thou anointest my head with oil. I move through this. There's, there's really two reasons why a shepherd anoints sheep's heads with oil because it will reduce friction and it'll remove irritation. When the summer comes, summer season, we love the summer season. It's the best season. It's warm out. It's, it's great. It's beautiful. But summer season is also particularly when you're shepherding, it's fly season. You know how many times you set up that outdoor furniture on your deck and you get ready and the next thing you know you sit down you're like where are all of these bugs coming from? They have been waiting for summer as well. And they have been waiting for you to get out there in your little shorts and your little t-shirt so that they can feast as well. You're like where are all these? Yes, we've been waiting as well. Yes. Yes, all of the little carpenter ants are out. All of the bees are out. All of the mosquitoes with the West Nile, they're out. Yes, it's their, this is their time too. This is peak season. And the shepherd will anoint the sheep's heads with oil, particularly because if he can slather them with oil, this usually it's a, a, in the Palestinian shepherds, it's a mixture of olive oil and sulfur and spices. He gets it in there and he also gets it and he makes sure he he, he gets it up in their nose, in, in their nasal passages. Like your mother used to do with you with that Vicks vapor rub. You, you know how mama's always fat fingered at that, that Vicks vapor rub. It's not like a little, it's like boom, slop. Whole no, and, and the thing is, I know as a kid, I didn't really mind it because I liked the smell of Vicks Vapor Rub. So it wasn't the bad, but it wasn't like, let me just rub a little on your upper lip, baby. No, it's two fingers, it's in, and it's like, plop. Your whole note, that's, that's the image I want you to get. 
That's the image I want you to get. That's what the, that's what the shepherd is doing. I'm trying to reduce these, nasal, reduce these nasal flies and these deer flies and these warble flies and these bot flies and these, and these heel flies, these black flies, mos- mosquitoes, gnats, all of those. Because if you, as I said before, you'll never lie down unless you're free from friction, you're free from fear, free from foraging, and, and, and free from flies. I mean, the, 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 the sheep just can't concentrate. And it should not surprise you that as God moves you to higher ground and as, you, as he's prepared a table for you on higher ground in the presence of your enemies, that, that the pests come so that you can be distracted so you cannot enjoy what God has for you. But you have to understand that the oil of the Holy Spirit, amen, the oil is representative of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be able to keep you focused so that you can lie down and enjoy what God has for you. But you got to stay close to the shepherd. You can't get that oil treatment. Come on, somebody. You can't get that oil treatment if you're not flowing with the shepherd, if you're not by him, that he can get to you and say, listen, I know that these irritants are coming. I know that these irritants are all around. That's part of the the spectrum of enemies, if you you will but I've got something for you that if you stay close to me I will reduce your irritation so that you might actually enjoy what I have for you in the place that I have it because it's already prepared I know the enemy wants to distract you that's what this he said I got you because it's fly season I know I know it's fly season that's why he says over and over and over. Be, the scripture says, be not drunk with wine, but be ye, which is excess, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, this filling of the Holy Spirit. Again, it's not just a one-time thing. You get filled with the Holy Spirit as you're controlled by the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time application. Amen. It is positionally for us to be in the body of Christ, but for real, for real power, it means that you and I have to be open to the move of the Holy Spirit and submit our lives to him so that he might be able to give us that Vicks Vapor Rub treatment that we so desperately need. He says, I need to give you more and more and more. Amen. And as we're filled up and what if you think about having a full cup, what will make the the, the liquid go out? If you again, if you grab the whole bunch of ice, even if it's already full and you throw a whole bunch of ice in an already full cup, what's going to happen? The ice replaces the, 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 the fluid or the liquid and that just spills out. It's, it's, it's gone. And now you got more ice than you than you had that now you have liquid. Amen. That's what we do. We can be filled and we're doing what we're supposed to do. We're flowing with the Holy Spirit. And then we decide to go on our own selfish agenda, which is just like throwing a whole bunch of ice in the cup. And then you wonder why you're not as powerful as you were before, because you're not as filled as you were, because you replaced your agenda for God's agenda. You replaced it, God's agenda with your agenda. And when you do that, you're not, it's not the same flow that you had before. But he anointeth my head with oil. It's available. And then the second thing is it reduces friction because not now as you move from summer to fall, not only does it become fly season, it becomes mating season. That's when you know that the rams are getting ready to do what? True to their name, they're getting ready to headbutt and ram, and they're getting ready to show out for one another for the privilege of being able to mate. A good shepherd says, I know what you're getting ready to do. You're getting ready to knock yourselves silly with this mating ritual that you all do. It's, it's, it's who you are. I get it. 
but a good shepherd will slather their heads with a bunch of a heavy oil mix so that when they do what they do, they don't hurt each other the same way because they slide off of one another. It's just, it's, it's not the same process. They're able to get it done uh, ultimately, but he's trying to save his sheep from hurting themselves. And so again, that's what the Holy Spirit does for us when we start to, to bite and devour and get next to each other and do things we have no business doing. The oil of the Holy Spirit is what allows us to be able to get along in a better place than we should when we decide that, that we want to ram and run into each other. Hopefully we'll get tired of doing that. It's not for mating. It's just for showing out. It's for selfishness. But when you, are not, uh, you anoint my head with oil, that's what it means. It, it, it re, he reduces the irritation and he, uh, he removes the irritation and he reduces the friction. And then David acknowledges my cup. It runneth over. And what I want you to know as we close about that cup running over. He says, fill me up till I overflow. I want to flow over and over and over. And there is a beautiful passage of scripture that you're familiar with in Psalms 133 that speaks to this, this overflow, if you will. So this imagery of David saying, my cup is flowing over. He says, listen, when he, when he pours, he pours a full portion. He pours it so that I actually overflow. He always gives me more than I need. My cup is running over. I'm full. I'm, 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 I'm satisfied, if you will. I'm satisfied such that if I looked at Psalms chapter 16, he says, keep me safe, O God, for I'm, I take refuge. I said to the Lord, you are, you are my God. Apart from you, I have no good thing. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. I will not pour out their libations of blood or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. David is saying, uh, the psalmist is saying, and yeah, it is, it is David. David is saying in Psalms chapter 16, I, I'm delighting in you. And when I delight in you, my cup overflows. The cup is really your life. The cup is your purpose. Your cup is your, that's why Jesus could say in the garden of Gethsemane, Lord, may this, may, may this cup pass, this cup, this assignment, this purpose pass from me. He said, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So again, that, that cup, David said, my cup, my life, my, my, my interaction uh, with other, as I think about, as I look back over my life and I think things over, I can truly say that I am blessed. My cup, runneth over. And, and if you looked at Psalm 33, 133, it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down through the beard and even down upon, upon Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. Do you know how much oil I need to pour on your head to get your feet wet? <laughs> yeah, a bucket. I want you to know just three things about that oil. It's precious. The anointing oil that anointed Aaron and his sons, if you, if you looked at Exodus chapter 30, it was special anointing oil that, that, that scripture says, don't, you, don't mix this up at home 
and, and wear it as perfume out in the streets. This is special anointing oil for a special assignment. You have to understand that God's oil is precious. The, the Holy Spirit, what he provides, what he gives, his counsel and his comfort and his conviction and his, the cohesion, all that he does, it's precious. The second thing you need to know is it's proper. It flows from the head to the beard down to the skirts. If you want to get into the oil flow, you have to be under the proper authority. You're not going to get, you're not going to get beard oil if you're not up under the head. You're just not. In everything you do in your life, God has placed some things uh, in, in, in place in terms of marriage, in, in, terms of, in terms of church, in terms of family. He says, I, I want it to flow, but it's going to flow down where Christ is our head, and then it's into the church. It will be to the shepherd and then to the sheep. You got you to gotta be, be with the shepherd to get the oil. Amen? Because that's where it's flowing from. I'm, 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 I'm having it flow down. And so, again, it's a precious flow. You want to be in that flow. And it's a proper flow. So you can't get it unless you're with the shepherd. And the third thing and the most important thing I think you should know is it's plentiful. It's plentiful. He's not running out. It's not, it's not head to beard and it's stopping at the neck. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm filling your cup up so much so that it's going to flow and flow and flow so that when I get done with you, it'll, you'll be drenched so that if you stay where you're supposed to be, you literally, if you're down at the beard, you're down at the skirts, at the bottom, on your shoes, whatever else, you're going to be covered in oil, amen, because it's plentiful. I don't run out of grace and mercy. I don't run out of, uh, of counsel. I don't run out of of, of intercession for you. Everything I do is for you and it's precious, it's proper and it's plentiful. David says listen, you have, you have given me and put me in a place that the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. You have done more for me than I ever could have done for myself. I know that it's better to be with you than to be any place else. You're taking care of me. You've done what you're supposed to do. I, my cup is running over. My cup all that you did in the first four verses, I can, make an, I can make an assertion right now. My cup is running over for everything you've done, everything you've prepared, everything that you've sacrificed, all of your hard work, how you care for me, how you've loved me, how you have done everything that you've done. And for us, as we talk about Jesus saying that I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly, I know that you've been the good shepherd. You're not the hireling. You didn't just run away when things got rough. You've been with me through thick and through thin. I've got a testimony of all of your love, all of your grace, all of your mercy, all that you've done. My cup is literally running over. And that's where we'll end it now. With the understanding that that last verse, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We'll look at that next time but I want you to know the care of the shepherd prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil and in the absolute confession that David says which is where I want us to get is to be able to say my cup is running over.
If you're not in the sheepfold of God, you cannot make that statement. If you are in the sheepfold of God, you should be able to make that statement. But many of us won't because we don't appreciate what the shepherd is doing in our lives. And we're fighting the shepherd at every turn. And we don't want to go where he tells us to go. We don't want to submit. We want to be stagnant. We don't want to move. We we don't want to feed where he tells us to feed. We want to do our own thing. We want to get cast and do all these other kind of things. But he's like, "If if, if I just follow you. My cup will be running over. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We praise you.